Good morning, and welcome to the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. With the always evolving world of cyber threats and defense, you need a source you can trust. FBI retired Special Agent Darren Mott guides you through today's intricate cyber landscape and brings you the latest headlines and insights and what it means to you. Let's dive into today's cyber news. Good morning, friends. It is Tuesday, November 21st, 2023. This is the Cyber Smart Morning News Update. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. And let's get right into the news. Got a couple, uh, how many things I got here? I got one, two, three, four, about eight things to talk about. I'll do them as quickly as I can to keep this under the 15-minute threshold that I like to do. Uh, and as always, I thank you so much for taking the time to listen. So let's start with, this one was forwarded to me by uh, my colleague, Jim Shorter. And when I started doing the research for today's program. I found bunches of articles on this one. So certainly this is the number one story for today. A security, this is one is from databreachtoday.com. This is Marianne Kolbasuk-McGee reporting. Uh, security firm COO hacked hospitals to drum up business. Well, that is an interesting headline, needless to say. Atlanta man pleads guilty, is ordered to pay, to pay $818,000 in restitution, but may avoid prison. Well, that's problematic. Vikas Singla was the chief operating officer of Atlanta-based cybersecurity firm Securelytics in 2018 when two local hospitals were hit with a series of cyber attacks. Singla almost immediately began emailing clients and prospects offering his company services and citing the attacks as an example of mounting cyber threats in the area. But Singla was mastermind behind the attacks, and according to federal prosecutors, they were just a ruse to help him drum up business for his company. Singla, who on Friday was still listed on LinkedIn as COO of Securelytics, well, that is a problem, entered a guilty plea on Thursday in Georgia federal court to one count of intentional damage to a protected computer and a series of intrusions in September 2018, affecting two hospitals of Gwinnett Medical Center in Duluth and Lawrenceville, Georgia. The medical center has since been renamed Northside. Under the plea deal, he'll pay $818,000 in restitution um, to help them recoup some of their costs. He faces a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison, but under the agreement, the DOJ said it would recommend that he be sentenced to 57 months of probation, including home detention. Now, I do not know if it shows that, uh, well, I'll just, let me just finish the article here. It the plea deal said incarcerating him would interfere with medical care as he has a rare and incurable form of cancer and a dangerous vascular condition. All right, fair enough. But um, he should not have access to computers. I would say that. I don't see that in here, but whatever. So anyway, this is a thing. This is, this is an interesting article in the sense of, this is like a fireman setting fires so that he can go put out the fires. Certainly it's, it's, it's that similar type of activity here. Um, there's probably more of this going on than we know. Um, this highlights this particular issue. So hopefully um, this will shed light on more instances similar to this, but um, bad guys doing bad stuff all around. I mean, I've thought it hurt everything, but this is not surprising, but at the same time, a little bit surprising. So anyway, uh, bbc.com. This is, who was reporting? Joanne Morris reporting. This is from Chris Lambert in the UK. Thank you for uh, directing this my way, Chris. Uh, a woman in targeted in a 13,000 pound railway station QR code scam. So I highlight this one simply because this is a type of crime that is underreported because it's probably not widely used yet, but certainly will be as QR codes become more of a commonality in our lives um, and they're everywhere. You have to now be careful what you are scanning because bad guys are going to use QR codes to do bad things. It's a con it will be an evolution of the technology. So a woman fell victim to fraudsters in a 13,000 pound railway station QR code scam. 13,000 pounds is equivalent to 
I don't know, $20,000. I may have that off. I'm not sure what the current, the current, um, rate is between the two, but whatever. Fraudsters are thought to have covered a ge- genuine code with one of their own in Thornby Station's car park. That sent the, lady, the woman to a fake website allowing the bad guys to redirect payments and card information, resulting in the victim, 71, losing thousands of pounds. Rail firm Transpanini, I'm mispronouncing that one, I'm sure, Express removed all the QR codes from the station car parks in September following reports of similar scams across the country. The incident in Thornaby which is Northeast England is one of about 1200 QR scams investigated by UK's natural fraud, national fraud reporting center in just over three years. In August, the victim who wishes to stay anonymous used the code. And after a string of fraudulent payments were blocked by her bank, the fraudsters called her posing as bank staff. So a nice little acceleration of the scam by calling her and, and re, re, causing the scan, the, the fraud to continue on. So I highlight just, just to me, just to let you know, be careful where you are scanning QR codes because you'd never know where it's going to take you. Cybernews.com, Belias Petkowskis reporting, um, best botnet ad question mark and open attack on AI. Interesting headline, but uh, anonymous Sudan supposedly hit, this is anonymous, the group in Sudan, anonymously hit ChatGPT at almost the same time it introduced a new botnet. Experts say the gang is commercializing to enhance operational resources. It doesn't take an SEO expert to see that everything AI is trending. Most of the world's tech journalists have just spent the weekend rummaging through the Machiavellian intrigue surrounding Sam Altman. He is the, or he was rather, the CEO of OpenAI, who was ousted by the board. Uh, but just a few years ago, few would have cared about the boardroom gossips of AI, or OpenAI, the nonprofit behind ChatGPT, but now it's the talk of the town, man, whatever. Okay, let's get into the point of this. So, um, coincidentally, the first waves of attack against OpenAI from the Russian-allied anonymous Sudan. All right, so it's not an anonymous group in the Sudan. That's just the name of it. That's interesting. It took place in early November, one day after OpenAI acknowledged a distributed denial-of-service attack. Anonymous Sudan unveiled its novel-for-hire botnet dubbed Skynet. Hmm. Well, they're certainly movie fans. OpenAI, well, OpenAI declined to specify who launched the DDoS against ChatGPT. Security pundits quickly put two and two together. The shift toward commercialization signals a significant enhancement in anonymous Sudan's operational resources, said Natalie Zdrak, a senior threat intelligence analyst at Binary Defense. So November marked two significant attacks claimed by Anonymous Sudan, the targeting of OpenAI and a supposed attack against the so-called backbone of the modern internet, Cloudflare. While Anonymous Sudan's operational motivations are hardly clear-cut, the collective does present itself as an anti-Western pro-Russian and at least since October 7th, anti-Israel. So there's a host of things going on here with this particular group. But it just goes to show that, I mean, who knows what they're, there doesn't seem to be much of a profit motive here. It seems to be largely hacktivist-oriented, but certainly problematic. So what's the point of this article? Well, it just kind of goes to show that there's all sorts of criminals for all sorts of things. Um, and again, if you're associated with any of the conflicts, things going in the world, you can be targeted as it goes forward. So we, my guess is this is the first we're hearing of Skynet bot and anonymous Sudan, at least the first I'm hearing of it. My guess is we will hear more of it going forward. So, and as technology advances, so do the crimes that come with them. All right. From darkreading.com, Andy Ellis reporting how the evolving role of the CISO impacts cybersecurity startups. So since I've been talking about leadership lately, I wanted to kind of hit on this article because it kind of hit that 
sweet spot for me. Uh, the subheadline CISOs and vendors must work together to keep up with emerging threats and find solutions as a group of CISOs and security entrepreneurs. The relationship between the CISO and vendors is a central engine of the cybersecurity ecosystem. It helps startups striving to meet the ever-evolving needs of CISOs who are simultaneously seeking the elusive but paramount buy-in from business users and executives. The CISO role has evolved dramatically in the past few years in response to changes driven by market fluctuations. COVID-19 ramifications, boards increase cybersecurity awareness and technology evolution. As CISOs adjust to their fluid environment, it has become increasingly important to evaluate how these changes impact the relationship between CISOs and their vendors. And so he kind of goes into a couple of highlights here that uh, there needs to be a change is a constant keeping up with the emerging threats and a possible solutions is vital. Communication is a key skill. Startups play a bigger role. So if you are a CISO or within cybersecurity management in any way, shape or form, kind of look at this article uh, just to kind of see that this, obviously the CISO role is important. One of the things I think that we'll probably see going forward as more CISOs are blamed for data intrusions, even though they may have had strategies in place that would have prevented particular incidents, but the, the board or the executive level above them didn't implement those strategies and then blame the CISO for the bad incident, that you're going to see the, the, a move from CISOs from a full-time, um, full-time um, employment offering for companies to more of a fractionalized part-time entity where the CISOs will still provide the guidance, but they will do so without the risk from the company. How that exactly works, not exactly sure. I can kind of see the idea in my head where you come on board as a part-time CISO and you provide all the strategy, but any risk to the company is not beholding to you. In other words, you aren't, you aren't the scapegoat for all this. That's the problem CISOs are getting into is being scapegoated for all these instances, even though they try to fix stuff. So interesting article, take a peek. Um, bleepingcomputer.com, Sergio, I'm not sorry, Sergi. I'm sorry, Sergio. <laughs> okay, Mr. Gatlin. I don't know why I'm mispronouncing his name today. It's whatever. Microsoft fixes something went wrong office sign in error. So quote unquote, something went wrong. Microsoft is rolling out fixes for known Microsoft 365 issues, which is causing quote unquote, something went wrong or 1001 sign in errors and rendering desktop applications unusable for many customers. As the company acknowledged almost a month ago, these login issues impact customers using Excel, Word, Outlook, and PowerPoint. For Microsoft 365, Microsoft 365 apps for business and Office apps for iOS and Android. When users attempt to sign into Microsoft 365 desktop applications, they receive an error message saying something went wrong. I've seen this myself. Um, and so they are trying to send out a patch to fix it. Whether it works or not, who knows? But again, Microsoft can do these kind of things. I mean, in other words, have errors like this with their products and not really be impacted because of their size and Good on them. Thank you. Thank you, capitalism. All right, scmagazine.com. Uh, this is Steve Zerur reporting. Luma C2 4.0 info stealer uses trigonometry to avoid sandboxes. That was just an interesting headline. I had to take a look at the article. So the ever-evolving Luma C2 info stealer now has a 4.0 version that makes use of a novel anti-sandbox technique that forces the malware to wait until human behavior is detected in the infected machine. And this is an interesting transition or evolution of this particular malware because now it gets around 
uh, endpoint detection, stuff like that. The, tri- the, the technique uses trigonometry to take into consideration different positions of the cursor in a short interval so the malware can avoid detonation in a sandbox and execute on the target system when the malware detects a human moving a mouse. Genius, honestly. It's, I mean, these guys are freaking smart. In a November 20th blog post, Outpost 24 researchers reported that info stealers such as Luma C2 4.0 pose significant risk because they have the potential to inflict substantial harm on individuals and organizations. Well, no kidding, because there's no protection against it. The researchers said they believe Luma C2 4.0 functions as a dynamic malware strain that remains under active deployment, constantly enhancing its code base with additional features and improved obfuscation techniques such as, or along with updates to its control panel. So again, you can do all the best things you can with technology to protect you from these threats, but it still comes down at some point to some kind of human interaction. And the bad guys are figuring that out and creating the malware that requires the human interaction for it to work and it won't work without the human interaction it's 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 really this is a uh, i I hate to say it's genius what they're doing here um and it's why the blue teamers among us are always losing sadly all right helpnetsecurity.com how effective compensation makes a difference with cyber talent retention it's a problem obviously anybody within the cyber business world is dealing with and it's retaining and keeping and finding good talent so that's why I picked out this particular article. Aligning cybersecurity organization models with business objective enables talent retention and security program success, according to an IANS and Artico search. What's the point here? So um, let's see. I'm just going to kind of dig through this a bit to get to the point. Um, so the, a study found that successful hiring and retention of cyber leaders hinges on the right compensation plans. For functional leaders, the top 25 percent compensation range averages 523,000 in total compensation. The top 10% range averages 640 for a deputy CISO, the head of product security, and the head of AEI. The top 10% comp range exceeds 700,000. I must be in the wrong town, but whatever. Finance and healthcare firms have the highest medium total compensation at 341,000. The top 25% and 10% compensation range averages in finance exceed those of other sectors at 594, 767, which makes sense. So obviously, um, if you're CISO, um, you can start demanding a whole lot more money because obviously you're taking on a whole lot more risk. Uh, And I think, and this is really... Only the big companies are going to be able to pay this stuff. Small and medium sizes can't, which is why I think we'll probably see a bigger move towards fractional or virtual CISOs in the future. So an interesting article on compensation CISOs. Take a peek if you're interested. All right, that's going to do it for today. I'm running short on time. All these articles will be posted in the show notes. Click them if you want. Thoughts and comments, email me, hit me on LinkedIn. Happy to talk to anybody. Have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Cyber Smart Morning News is written and produced by CyberGuy Productions. Feel free to email thoughts, comments, or suggestions to Darren at thecyberguy.com or follow Darren on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Darren Mott. Thanks for listening.